0: a federal holiday back in 1894 uh, to recognize the American labor movement, I bet that that's the single busiest day at Lowe's and Home Depot. because, Because that's the day that everybody does all of those chores and things that they were supposed to do all summer. And now the summer's over, so here's the last chance, right? Um, it's certainly not the most restful weekend of the year, hardly. And yet, I, I think we all could use some rest, physical and spiritual, really, that's what we need most. And, and that's why our Lord has given us uh, the Sabbath, or as it's well named in this time, the Lord's Day, that name being a bit of a hint. Uh, the writer to the Hebrews says, There remains a Sabbath rest. For the people of God. And I'm very thankful to Brian for kind of giving us a little start on this already this morning for uh, those who are in the adult Sunday school class. So what is the Sabbath rest that the Bible's talking about? It doesn't sound very restful, does it, Sabbath rest? It sounds a little boring or maybe intimidating or certainly not a lot of fun. That's not right. Well, let's take a look at the text to find the answer. Found in Hebrews chapter 3. And um, uh, despite having heard some of this before, some were not here to hear it. So I think we'll pick up at verse 7 and read through a bit of uh, the next chapter. Now, the writer of the Hebrews says this, hear now God's word. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not? with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient. So, we see, they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should Seemed to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united to faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he said, as I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Though his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day today saying through David long ago, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did Did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter the rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the Word of God is living and active, and sharper than any double edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So, um, let's begin by understanding um, why... Take that. There we go. Um, Understanding why it is... um, Uh, that we rest. Um, And uh, certainly, um, by the time we get to Sunday, um, especially if we've been working hard all week one way or another, we may actually feel the physical need for some rest. Um, I've often quoted John Murray who said uh, that the purpose of man, believe it or not, is not to be found in the uninterrupted tilling of the soil, which is simply to say that men are not animals. Men are not machines. Uh, they're not too, uh, they can't be operated 24-7. God has no concern whatsoever if you turn on your air conditioner and want to run it for 24-7. That's fine. You pay the bill. <laughs> but that's all right because it's a machine. It's not a person. Um, uh, you know, I read this article in a newspaper some years ago now about airplane pilot fatigue. Um, uh, as cash-strapped um, airlines tried to squeeze more productivity um, from um, their pilots and extend the, uh, the, the flying hours, the National Transportation Board um, discovered uh, identified that tired pilots we involved at least ten at least ten of U.S. airliner accidents and and over 240 um, fatalities since uh, 1990. Um, in addition to hundreds of close calls, um, uh, fatigue-related um, mistakes included pilots forgetting to. Um, raised the flaps before they took off, inadvertently shutting down the engine in mid-air, um, losing track of position of planes on the final approach, and, and pilots just nodding off um, at the controls. One flight to Hawaii, apparently, uh, happened; the, the pilot fell asleep and overshot the island by, um, by miles and miles, and after ten minutes of screaming, Uh, on the radio from ground control, he finally woke up and turned the plane around. Um, So, uh, you know, this weekly cycle of six days of work followed by a day of rest is divinely appointed. As I quipped this morning, this is manufacturer's instructions. That's how we know what works, we ask the man who made it. Uh, the Lord tells us, our Creator tells us, and, and set it, in fact, as a commandment. Six days you shall labor, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. In which God gives us permission uh, to break off a, a, a day at the end of the week. In fact, he, he commands it, and, and he includes this commandment with uh, the other nine, to which we give at least grudging Uh, 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 assent, uh, even codifying some of them into our civil law, prohibitions against murder and stealing, for example, Commandments 6 and 8, or others recognizing uh, that these things are critical to the well-being of a working society, such as prohibitions against adultery or lying or disobedience to authority, uh, Commandments 7, 9, and 5. He also gives us some critical laws regarding how we're to relate to him in worship and um, and such, and that's commandments 1, 2, and 3. But the fourth commandment regarding the use of the Lord's Day seems to be the most neglected of all. It's the orphan commandment, at least especially in this nation uh, 40 or 50 years since we... Uh, some have sought to argue that it's no longer binding in the New Testament age on Christians. I think their theology is lacking. Uh, certainly there are good arguments uh, to, to rest, simply from a purely physical standpoint. Uh, being a long day, a long week, we need to stop and, and, and rest. Uh, but I wonder if you can't sense from this text uh, just read, that there is also this issue of spiritual poverty, of spiritual need um, in, involved in the fourth commandment. Truthfully, that's what we need most, is spiritual rest. Um, that's really what Hebrews 3 and 4 is all about. The writer uh, makes his point then by turning us back to the example <clears throat> of these people of ancient Israel. Hebrews 3, 7 and 9, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you harden your voice, do not harden your hearts in rebellion as on the day of testing uh, in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test. Um, So, what the the writer to Hebrews is referring to is uh, found throughout, but particularly in Numbers 14, God had delivered Israel uh, out of slavery into Egypt with great wonders and miracles, and then after formally uh, renewing his covenant with them and giving them their law in Sinai, he brings them to the very border. He brings them to the very border of, of, of Canaan. And what happens? They balk. They, 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 they hold back. Um, they they um, decide, they grow fearful. They grow stubborn, and they refuse to take the step and go into to the land, which He promised them on, on oath. Um, and uh, in fact, they even decide they want to have a new leader, and they want to go back to slavery in Egypt. Oh, that's a great idea. Well, therefore, God condemns them. Uh, to 40 years of wandering around the desert until finally that sinful no-go generation, it all died off. Now back to our text, Hebrews 3, 9 to 12. Your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years and I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my way. As I swore my wrath, I shall not enter my rest. And then in verse 12, Um, He gives us the application. He says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Now, nobody wants to fall away from the living God. Uh, What is God warning us against? Uh, He's warning us against the temptation of unbelief and disobedience that keeps us from God's rest, especially the spiritual rest in Christ and the heavenly rest to come. Adam and Eve, let's go back to the start. Adam and Eve, what happened to them? They turned away from God's rest and from his place and presence in paradise and they rebelled in unbelief and disobedience and restless discontent and dissatisfaction with God and they were driven out of the garden. Why did God drive them out of the garden? Well, first of all, for punishment for their sin, but also to bring upon them such toil and such misery of life outside of his rest that they might turn again and learn to rest in him again. Uh, life this side of Eden, a life with a sinful heart and with a, in a sinful, broken world, should drive all of us back to the Lord Jesus. It should drive us back in all of our difficulties. Listen to me. Every day, we need to be driven back to Christ and to His gospel from a life, from a Sabbath-breaking life, from a restless, noisy heart, from a life full of unbelief and self-sufficiency and typically uh, that all goes with that. Uh, We so often... Uh, live life, even though we're converted, even though we've been spiritually regenerated, we live like practical atheists. We live like Israel in the wilderness, like the sinful sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. Uh, That's how we live our lives in this age. We do not trust God's promises to keep us and care for us but we're filled with anxiety about our jobs and about our homes and our family and, and health and possessions, we can worry about absolutely anything, can't we? We don't rest in, in the righteousness of Christ or the finished work of Christ, but we're continually seeking, even Christians continually seeking to establish our own righteousness, our own record. We're not satisfied with the righteousness of Christ. No, no, we've got to do it Ourselves, we, we live every day trying to, uh, to, to, to puff up and polish our own reputation in the eyes of those around us. We live every day on a success-failure uh, basis with being endlessly driven to look good and to be right all the time. Uh, we live before the eyes of men to please men and not God. We resist authority. We're driven by, I can do it myself, mother. Attitude. Uh, we're quick to defend ourselves. Uh, we're critical and proud and demanding and driven by an endless need for self advancement. We 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 look for our satisfaction in in positions and power and praise and possessions. We we live like orphans, uh, acting uh, in our own heart. Uh, and believing that everything depends on us, and we 've got to fix everything and be there for everyone. No wonder we 're exhausted. Does that sound like a son or a daughter trusting in his father? Does that sound like a like like a man at rest no it it sounds absolutely exhausting. it sounds like unsaved people. it sounds like like Israel in, in the wilderness. It sounds like the fruit of unbelief and disobedience. It sounds like works righteousness. It sounds like a person who is living in, as if his relationship with God depended altogether upon his own performance, which makes him either very proud or very exhausted, but will never make him right with God. Such a one is not resting in God or Christ but upon themselves. And God says to such a person, They will never enter my rest. Well, that sounds pretty depressing, doesn't it? <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> um, let's look at the critical verse of this text, um, uh, where uh, in chapter 4, Hebrews 4 9 and 10, he says, There yet remains a a rest for us, for, he continues, whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Whoever has entered into God's rest has also rested from his works, his own works, as God did from his. Now, please notice that the text very specifically and carefully tells us that this is God's rest we're talking about. That we enter into His rest. And he says this over and over again. He says it in chapter 3, verse 18, in 4.1 and 4.3 implied, 4.5, 4.9. The great point being that we do not achieve our own rest. Uh, This great rest cannot come from ourselves, but rather we enter into His rest. That's where we find true rest. Now, what is God's rest? Well, if you look back at Genesis 2, uh, we read that on the seventh day, after completing everything, all his amazing work of creation, God rested. Not a reference so much to physical inactivity, for surely he was still upholding the, the world in his works of providence, but rather, a reference to his stopping, pausing, if you will, to take pleasure and satisfaction in his own completed work that was perfect, absolutely. And he gives us as an example. He rested, not for himself, but as a pattern, as an example for us. What God commands of us is to stop and pause and contemplate every day, but especially on the Lord's day, His glory, His creation, and especially His perfect and completed redemptive work, His saving work uh, that we are to rest in and enter into through being united with Christ. For if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation over and over again. What do we read of ourselves? In Christ and Christo. Believers are in Christ. Speaking of this mysterious uh, union between us and Christ. You see, the Sabbath, the Lord's Day, gives us a day of physical rest, yes, but especially it points us away from ourselves and away from our work in order to focus and contemplate upon the glory of God and the completed work of his Son, our Savior. That's important. Why is that so important? Because that's the source of our rest. What are you resting in? Are you resting in yourself, in your religion, your baptism, your performance, your own good record? How hard you work? Oh, he's a hard worker. Why, that man never took a day off. Never took a vacation. They wrote it on his tombstone. Well, don't we all know how wrong that is? How fruitless, how spiritually, if not physically exhausting that is? Uh, Wouldn't it be easier just to collapse on Jesus? Um, The Apostle Paul understood this. He says in Philippians 3, 7, he says, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness uh, of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness, you could write rest, that comes from God is by faith. So what Paul is talking about is trusting in the finished work of Christ. Uh, When Jesus died on the cross and cried out, it is finished. He meant that he had finished or completed his saving work on behalf of his people. Think of it as a present, as a wrapped gift, the greatest gift ever given. God wants uh, to to give it to you. Uh, He offers it. Uh, to you who are unbelievers. Uh, and, and he offers it to believers as well. Um, he, he, he says here, but, but our hands are so full, they are so filled, we are so loaded down and groaning under the weight of, our, of all things and all burdens and all of our works that we are endlessly clinging to and schlepping around. God says, put it down. Put it down, that noisy heart and all that stuff and all that fearful effort. Just pick up and rejoice in, in the gift of Christ Jesus. Repeat to your hearts the gospel. Remind yourself. Because, you see, we're all, we're all recovering Pharisees. You know, I've said this before. We're, we're recovering Pharisees and we, and we hear the good news and we believe it, but, but deep in our hearts, we don't rest in it. Because the gospel just doesn't load up on our computers. <laughs> what loads up lickety-split is more work, more performance. You know? But grace, you just have to keep going over that gospel message. Um, this, is, this is the rest. Uh, that Jesus delights in, that God delights in, his own glory, his own work, even the very apex and acne of that work which is accomplished by Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity on the cross. Jesus now sits, and I put that in quotes, with the Father in heaven, praying for us, working in our hearts, interceding for us, and, and, and working through God the Holy Spirit to, to rest in Him and not in ourselves before it's too late. How do we find our rest in Christ? Uh, what, is, what does that mean? Um, am I falling apart? Am I falling off? No, that's right. All right. It, it means, it, what it really means is turning from our pride and unbelief and self-sufficiency and, and asking Jesus to save us. But it also means Uh, and and to give us new hearts of faith and to trust in Him. But it also means um, continuing to trust in Him. It means doing whatever work we must do and we're called to do with an attitude of faith. Trusting Him to put it all together to make it work. Yeah, we go and do that job, but we're trusting in Him to make it all work out the right way, every hour, every day, every week. It means putting Him and His revealed will in the Bible first in our lives. It means worshiping Him and resting in Him every day, but especially on the day that He set apart to rest and worship together as a church family. It means studying Him and enjoying Him and enjoying His Word and enjoying His creation, giving Him the glory and the praise, reflecting all the praise that we might receive back to Him. You see, the Lord's day... It's a spiritual opportunity. It, it's a great reset button. Uh, you know, when, when your computer goes south on you, you always have this one great hope, don't you? You press the reset button, and uh, you know it all starts over again, and the, the blue screen of death goes away. And you reset. We need to reset all sorts of things in our lives sometimes, and especially on the Lord's Day, we, we reset... Uh, And it it gives us a a special opportunity physically and spiritually. It it serves as a time divinely ordained and commanded and an opportunity to remind ourselves and one another by means of worship and the word that the world in which we live, the philosophy of the world in which we live and drink of all day week uh, does not In many regards, represent truth and reality. Uh, So, I'm suggesting in this sermon that the right day use of the Lord's Day serves to to keep us, to keep all of us from getting sucked in uh, to the restless, hellish, self sufficient humanistic philosophy and lifestyle of the world. We come here and we get it straightened out again as we worship God. We hear his word. Now, in conclusion, um, the text, verse 7, gives us a warning. Uh, It says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Uh, Because today is a fresh opportunity to press that reset button and hear God's word and hear God's gospel again, urging us to enter into the rest of the work of Christ urging us to trust in Christ and his promises, urging you to use the Lord's day to improve your walk with him by casting yourselves on him yet again. Now, we might also think of the Lord's day as a picture of the Sabbath rest to come. That's a refreshing thought. We sang a beautiful hymn after Sunday school that Brian picked out. and We sung some others. Uh, These hymns are part of the reason this is a little bit political, but... Part of the reason we don't just sing psalms, <laughs> we sing some beautiful hymns because um, the, 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 the writers to some of these hymns open up what the psalmists were saying uh, from a New Testament perspective. And there's some beautiful songs we sing and that's part of our refreshment. Um, it's a refreshing thought for, for while we certainly enter into God's rest when we trust in Christ we enter more fully and more finally in heaven and especially in the last day uh, when the eternal Sabbath rest begins. When we'll join God's people of every age together rejoicing in the direct presence uh, of the Trinity. So, in closing, let me take note of this warning. Moses and Joshua and Caleb and especially Christ were faithful to the end. But many others were not. That's what Hebrews is telling us. They fell apart. They fell aside. Hebrews three sixteen to nineteen. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not those who left Egypt, uh, led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked those forty days? Was it not uh, years? Was it not those who sinned and their bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would never enter his rest? But those who were disobedient. So we see that they were unable to enter. Because of unbelief. If those who were miraculously delivered from Egypt and then, and then balked and, and held back and drew back in faithlessness and failed to follow Christ into Canaan and were judged for it in the Old Testament age, how much more? We who live in the New Testament age and the glories of the, of the age of the Holy Spirit, how much more should we fear from falling away from Christ and his gospel and resting and trusting in ourselves. Brothers and sisters, let us make good use of the Lord's Day. It's a day of rest. Whatever else anyone else may decide to do uh, uh, on the Lord's Day, uh, we have a uh, uh, mandate to rest. Uh, skip the shopping. Skip the sports events. Skip the, the homework. Skip the Turn off the word computer. And and enjoy time with your family. Enjoy God's creation and especially enjoy God and his gospel. Let the busyness and the restlessness and the weariness of the six days of labor drive you to church, drive you to Christ, drive you to a day of resting in the Lord Jesus, remembering his gospel, remembering his person, remembering his work, remembering who you are, a blessing. Privileged, called apart son and daughter of the king, soon to be transported into the arms of Jesus. Amen. Jesus said, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. Uh, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Lord our God, thank you for your wisdom. Um, in giving us a a day of rest. Uh, We we need it because we tire physically and we need it because we are tired spiritually. And we need to remember your gospel and remember your son, remember his finished work in which we participate in and rejoice and live life. Help us to uh, press that reset button every Sunday. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.